Chops TV. You will be chopped. Know what that means? Licking my chops. Today I will show you how to do a karate chop. Simply saying, no, he doesn't have the chops to do what it takes. New thing. I'm busting chops. Welcome to Chops TV, featuring Jennifer Lopez. Now here's Chops. Chops TV back this week. JLo and I both sick last week, so we weren't able to record. Went through the holiday, went through Saturday. Boy, it really wasn't a good week for us. You were sick from like Friday to still a little sick. I guess I'm still feeling it a little bit, but I was mostly like Sunday to Friday, so the holiday was right in there. We were both good enough on Saturday. Went and go watch the Ohio State-Michigan game. That was a bummer, (laughs) and now here we are. Yeah, here I am. Barely, barely it feels like. Really bad weekend all around. Um, Even though we're supposed to be grateful and thankful, I'm not really feeling either of those things. I got to be honest. No, you're right. It was not the most thankful of feelings uh, throughout the weekend. But we did get to have a, a nice little Thursday, and you had some days off of work. Just really a third year in a row of losing to Michigan that ruins it. And, and we were sick, too. So the week didn't start off well, and then it didn't end well. And now we're back at work, and it feels like nothing really happened. No, it feels like it feels like Groundhog Day, where I just am starting the day over, kind of sick and a little bit pissed off to be at work, not feeling refreshed. Don't feel rejuvenated. Everyone at work, so I work for the university, everyone at work is kind of tiptoeing around the subject because no <laughs> one wants to be like, well, how was your Saturday? Or if people ask, like, how was your weekend? People are very specific. Like, how was your Thursday? Like, people will not say, like, how was the long weekend and stuff like that. Um, and unfortunately, unlike Groundhog Day, there's not, it doesn't get run back. We don't get another shot. We don't get another it. shot. No, we don't. Jets don't get another shot. I guess in future years, there's a chance they could get another shot at it in the Big Ten title game, which, whatever, that can be something. Once it moves to the 12-team playoff, Ohio State will make it most of the years anyways. I still think that like the game will hold the most importance of, of anything before you get to like the national championship level of game. and We feel similarly on that front. That's where we're at. At my work, it, obviously unavoidable. It's all we it's talked about opposite. all day. <laughs> so everybody was asking, hey, how do you feel? Da, da, da. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then obviously on the shows, that was basically our topic on 90% of the the things today. You know, so a when few things, times stepping out, but for the most part, sticking with us the entire show. So when things like this happen or, you know, the last couple of years, this has been the case, is it sort of like revisiting a breakup every single day for hours hours a day yeah because you never really forget it the whole year so it's something obviously you talk about it less and less as the time goes on but it's something that's there and yeah you can't really leave it in the past because it's it'll be a big part of what informs us going into next season for Ohio State football so yeah I guess you could say is it like breaking up no, I mean, breakup, I, I use breakup because it's like a thing that people constantly, you know, when it first happens, people always ask every new person 
is like, how are you doing? How are you handling it? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what? A lot I, of the people in my family at least treat me that way. Like, oh. I, th- I think you're game. right. I think that's a better one because I wanted initially to jump to like a death in the family. And there's, you know, because you kind of feel these like feelings of grief and mourning as you're going through it. It feels similar to that because you just put so much effort into caring about this game. I know it's silly, but it's what we care about. Yeah. But breakup probably makes more sense because you can win against Michigan next year and make yourself feel good. Similar to how you can get in a new relationship and feel much better than you did in the previous relationship, the one you just broke up from. Whereas like a death, they're gone. There's no there's no game next year that's going to bring a dead family member back yeah. to life. Or even like the cheating aspect of it all. It's oh. like that ex that is famous and like is still in the news and you're glad that you aren't with them, but like they were cheating on you and that hurts even more too. Yeah. So, you know, like would it, would things have been different last year if they hadn't cheated on me? It's not the perfect metaphor, but I, I, I think and, the idea that you yeah. can return to it makes the breakup a little bit. As we've established, I'm also bad at metaphors. Oh, so. okay. Well, that's too bad. You saw Wish. How was it? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So if everyone remembers from two weeks ago when I teased that this was going to be a family-friendly show, content only, I'm going to try my hardest. No promises. This weekend is taking its toll on me. We did already talk about death and breakups, but that's not unfamily-friendly at this point. You need to teach kids about death, too. True. They need to know. They need to understand what it's like to lose to their rival and what it's like to have somebody around them die. What were we talking about where you you said something about essentially you were equating like them going into the sky and I'm like, why did you make it sound like they were dying? <laughs> Who did that? Someone he lives went, in the sky now. He lives in the sky now. What was that? <laughs> I don't remember what I think it, it was. was a show that we watched that oh he lives in the sky now. It was a, like a specific person. I don't remember what it was. Like somebody who was flying or, yeah. or something. But yeah, I don't. Was it Elf? Maybe when he goes into Santa's sleigh. Maybe, maybe it was that. Yeah, we'll get to Elf in a little bit. Okay, yeah, teaser for the rest of the show. Anyway. So we were both going to go see Wish, but then we were sick on Monday and and couldn't make it out. You did make it out with uh, somebody, not me, but somebody else, to watch it this weekend. First off, I'm going to try to... I don't know anything about this movie besides Disney. And it's essentially based on the concept of Wish Upon a Star. So, my guess is somebody who's, like, down and out runs into Jiminy Cricket. No. Gets to make a wish. And is there is it, like, a monkey paw situation that you don't always get what you're expecting no. from it? Okay, so it is a true... Is it real sappy and real saccharine? Throughout Sappy, yes. So okay, if I'm not fully on base, <laughs> that's all that's my guess of the movie. Jiminy Cricket, for some reason, I feel like should be in the movie, and I'm upset if he's not. Well, because the song. So basically, you were sort of right. So it is like wishing on upon a star. I like you went into it pretty much blind. I didn't really know. I honestly don't even know 100% if it's animated or not. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> yeah, it's but animated. But I don't, I don't actually know if it's live action or not. Yes, it's animated. So I went in relatively blind. Obviously, the title is Wish, so wishing is going to be a part of it. Um, spoilers? Are we doing spoilers for Wish? 
Go ahead. I don't think too many people are worried about it. I, what? Does everybody end up happy at the end? Most of them. Okay. Just the one person who's a villain doesn't. Okay. I think, yep, I got it. That's what I would have predicted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's about this girly whose name is... Wish. No. And she lives in a village that was founded by a guy who his wish got broken. Something happened to his homeland or whatever. And he decided that wishing and knowing your wish and having your wish and your dreams fall apart was too painful. So, so this is a world where it's known that wishes work. So, yes. So essentially, he then studied sorcery and stuff. And managed to be able to figure out how to like manifest like wishes into fruition okay. with magic or whatever. So the whole concept of this kingdom is that he invites people to live there and work there and, you know, whatever, be happy there. And the only thing that they have to do is give up their wish. So when they turn 18, you have like a whatever ceremony and he takes like your deepest wish in your heart. And you forget your wish. So, like, you don't know, like, what your real desire is. So you're then you're just, like, a lifeless person just walking around, just fulfilling so, your whatever your duties are to this kingdom? So that is the case for some of it. So there's one guy named Simon, and I don't remember. I don't know why I remember his name and not the main character's name. But Simon, when he turns 18 and his wish gets taken, he becomes like a shell of himself. And they're like, well, Simon, ever since you gave up your wish, you're like boring now. And he's like, well, that kind of sucks because I don't even remember what I gave up. So the girly. Asha. Asha, yes. Asha, who is not down on her luck, is actually doing very well for herself. Um, Her grandfather is turning 100 and there's a wishing ceremony that day. And someone's wish is going to get granted. And she thinks maybe it's going to be his wish. She also has an interview that day to be the apprentice to the king. So the king is looking for a new apprentice. Whose wishes get granted? How is that decided? Does the king decide to just give out some of them? It's like a raffle, like a lottery? So the king, every month there's a wishing ceremony and the king decides whose wishes get granted. Now we come to find out that the king knows all the wishes and is very selective of which ones get granted as to not inspire revolt or chaos or something like that. So everybody has the right to a wish, but they also have the right to relinquish said wish to the king. So what? how does the wish get granted if you don't give it to the king? It doesn't. It doesn't. It does not get granted. He's the only one who understands the process of taking your wish from something that you have internally to making it a real wish, but he doesn't have to give you that wish. Correct. This is way too convoluted. (laughs) It's simpler in the movie, it feels like. Anyway, so any so she finds out ultimately that her grandpa her grandpa's wish isn't gonna get granted because it's too quote unquote dangerous. And his wish is something like he wants to he wants to he's like playing a guitar in his wish. And it's something like he wants to write something or create something that's gonna inspire like the next generation. Requerta me. No. <laughs> Just reminded me of that. <laughs> um, but they are in the Mediterranean. It is like a very like Spanish coastal kind okay. of vibe kingdom. It's it's actually a really cool kingdom. Anyway, so 
she finds out that the wish is going to be granted and then she's like well this fuck well this kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> there's that family friendly nature for you She's like, well, this kind of sucks. Like, you're just telling me that nobody's wish is going to get granted. Like, 80% of the people who give you their wish, they're just, like, never going to realize, like, their true, like, dreams. And, like, maybe you should give people the choice. Like, if you're not going to grant it, maybe you should give their wishes back to the people so that they can try to make it happen on their own. And he's like, well, no, that's not happening. That's dangerous. And, you know, you know, fascism. So, so yeah, bad. Um so she then decides to well she doesn't decide but she's trying to figure out what to do because um she's now become like an outcast black sheep because okay. the king doesn't trust her her family obviously because they don't remember and they like the king so everyone's like you know anti asha she wishes on the star by accident really she's just singing the soliloquy and um do they the sing when you wish upon a star at any point in the movie no, but I think it's in the credits. Mm. So she ends up getting the the star. Then becomes a thing, like a little omnipotent. Oh, it's creature. like alive. Yes, the star then becomes alive, and then the star is then responsible for helping Asha trying to get the wishes back to the people. Right. Okay. <sighs> Okay, so then the next part happens. <laughs> um, basically, that's the whole story. And um, she has like a sidekick group of friends. And um, yes. So, okay. So that's the most of the plot. She's trying to get the wishes back from the king who turns out to be um, evil. Okay. Classic, classic. Chris Pine is the king. Stellar. So is the whole movie just like an allegory for like selling your soul to your job? Possibly. It's kind of what it sounds like. A little it's like bit. you give up on your dreams because you have to work your job because you have to support yourself. But as you do more of that, you sell more of that you're chance to do bit, your wish. Well, you're getting a little bit bogged down into like the manual labor of it all. Like most of the people are happy and they like living in the kingdom and they love the king and Blah, blah, blah. It's only a couple people who sort of lose their way when they lose their wishes. Ah, oh, yes. Everybody likes the uh, the king who wields ultimate power over their biggest hopes and aspirations. Well. Who forces them to do manual labor. Well, it's the promise of getting your wish back that, one, keeps, like, the people engaged and happy. But also, two, like, the kingdom apparently is, like, very prosperous. Like, at the beginning of the movie, Asha's, like, a tour guide or whatever, so... Hmm. It's kind of like a, it's kind of scammy too. So he doesn't give the wish back to everybody. But if you give me your wishes, then you can have even bigger wishes, and I can make sure that they get granted. Yeah. So like the one. So he's a scam artist. Well, yeah. The one wish that he grants with magic, the one wish that he grants at the beginning of the movie, um, is one girly wants to be like the best dressmaker or make the most beautiful dresses in all of Rosas, and he grants that wish, right? Because it's you know, low stakes. It's not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to threaten his rule. So it can be granted, basically, in his opinion. Would you be more likely to recommend Wish to somebody or completely forgot that you ever saw it within the next month? Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm, uh, meh, mm, meh, uh. 
It sounds like you're trying really hard to say you're not going to forget, forget it, it. But I, this sounds like a completely forgettable movie. Like a good dinosaur. Remember that when Disney tried that? Yeah. The, this pro- is be the one problem of those. is, is that, um, so the person that I saw it with enjoyed it much more than I did. And not that I didn't, because I did enjoy my time in the theater watching it. And I know a good metric that it, I think, is a better movie than I think critics are giving it credit for is that there were a ton of kids in our theater. A lot, a lot of kids. And they were all like happy. And like when the evil things were happening, they were like sad and like kind of screamy. But then, you know, she was singing the song and the one girl was like, oh my gosh, she's singing the song. You know, like that's really cute. And so, so it's hitting with the target demo. Which is good. Well, it's nicely also only 95 minutes, which is something we talk about a lot with Disney movies now, especially when they make the live action remakes. They just like tack on another hour and then the movie ends up being like two hours and 15 minutes long, mm-hmm. which is too long for children. This yeah. is like the perfect amount of runtime for kids to sit in the theater. And I guess like you said, it sounds like the kids enjoyed it. So I'm happy that the kids enjoy it. I'm not too upset that I missed it though no i think it'll be a good one for you to watch when uh it comes on disney plus i will say there were a lot of things i liked about it and um i my i think my biggest problem with it is that it doesn't feel like a fully realized concept on its own it felt like and i didn't realize this at the time too but it really is like their temple movie for disney 100 so like a lot of it is an amalgamation of other pieces of things that you would recognize, like a lot of Easter eggs to mm-hmm. other movies and stuff. And Okay, that was something I was wondering because it seems like, you know, like I tried to guess what it was about at the beginning. And I knew that it was about like the idea, the concept of wishing upon a star. But I was like, how does this really like, are there going to be more Disney movie tie-ins? Because it just seems like something that's so grounded in Disney lore, the idea of wishing upon a star. But is it a is it a unique new reimagining of something and just taking that kernel of idea, or is it repurposing of stuff that Disney already owns and just repackaging it for a new movie? It felt like a repurposing of the things. Now there are elements of it that did work, like her "I Want" song is great. It's a really really good song, um, but it felt. Yeah, like something that was so familiar and felt just repackaged up and then put out. I will say, though, there were elements of that that did work for me. So, like, even though I'm saying it felt sort of like a hodgepodge of other things, like the movie opened with the storybook, which is like super old school Disney princess vibes. And that was really cool. Um, The idea of like... She had like seven little sidekick friends that were supposed to be like seven dwarves and one was like obviously dopey and like that was really cool. The animation style is awesome. Really, really interesting um, animation. It felt it felt like a mix of the new style of animation with like beautifully like painted backdrop backgrounds, almost like um, Sleeping Beauty, if anyone's familiar with like that animation style. Like it felt a lot... Like the old like matte paintings through the yes, backgrounds, yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. and it, it was a really beautiful movie, um, but in that same vein. Yeah, the Disney like production know. styles because we talked about that when we saw Elemental, which I understand is Pixar, but you know, super intertwined with Disney, and they seem to be like 
stepping out and like what's the next step we can do revolutionizing all this 3d animation that has really just become the standard and you can't really sell anything else to kids anymore obviously 2d animation still pretty healthy in adult spaces but definitely not for kids and i think that they've just gotten they're just pushing the envelope on like what can we combine in these surfaces and Mm -hmm. and this kind of animation to do it okay well that's that's interesting is it something that is trying to bring in both something for the kids and then also something the adults can remember and kind of bridging that gap? That would make sense if it's yeah. supposed to hit the Disney 100 stuff. I think so. Yeah. A lot of the characters and um, there was, you know, the, you know how they do Easter eggs and stuff. And in some of the wishes, there was like Aurora's dress and um, like at the end of the at the end of the movie and the credits, they were. Um, like the silhouettes of famous Disney characters and properties like in stars and stuff and the one girl was like who's that and the guy had to be like that's Chicken Little you know the dad had to be like oh that's that's this person who you don't know because you've never seen that movie it feels like something that's like more in line with like a special that would be on Disney Plus like a newer version of Fantasia rather than its own theatrical release movie it did and you know what at the end of the movie, we find out that um, the wish or the star um, gives gives Asha like a gift, right? Mm-hmm. So the king's overthrown, the queen then becomes the ruler of the kingdom, but Asha becomes a fairy godmother, which is an interesting concept because a lot of those... Like the fairy godmother? Or, well, uh, a, a fairy godmother. Okay. What year um, is it in Wish? It feels like Spanish medieval... Okay. Yeah, so it's definitely not modern times. No, so no, 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 no. It's the costuming and by costuming I mean like the animation of the style of clothes feels very like it it felt a lot like Sleeping Beauty, honestly, like the setting and the clothes and stuff. Yeah. And they're not driving around cars or walking around with cell phones or anything like that. No, it no, definitely no. is like back in that yeah. That time frame. But that'd be an interesting concept for a movie like instead of like a girl becoming the princess, she becomes a fairy godmother, which is this movie. But it didn't feel original, which is weird. Like, I I was saying yesterday that I liked Elemental more than I liked this movie, I think, as a whole. Because it felt, it felt different and original and, like, you know what I mean? It just... It, it's, yeah, it's so weird to me as you describe it, like, how they, like, split the difference between existing IP and fresh new idea. Mm-hmm. And somehow did both, but didn't really do service to either one because... Well, I don't know if it would be more popular or what. It would definitely be more accessible to people to be like fairy godmother prequel origin story movie, whatever you would call it. Or a movie that is, yeah, just completely, completely new and and something that we've never seen before from Disney. So it felt like um, like you were you were saying it almost should have been a special on Disney Plus. It felt like a commercial for Disney. But. They were trying to make a story into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So overall. Overall positive. I think the kids will like it. Um, it's got some, uh, a couple of like Lin-Manuel Miranda light songs in it, which, you know what? Stop doing that. But the kids are going to like those. Yeah. And it's got enough for the adults that I think they'll enjoy it too. Especially if you're... If you are a Disney gal or girly, you'll like this movie. I mean, it just, it hates all those notes that the Disney adults love. 
So it's a recommendation for me, ultimately. So after a not so great week and then an even worse Saturday, we woke up on Sunday this weekend and yeah, we were we were okay with turning the NFL on kind of background stuff. Both the Ohio teams lost. Both of them lost their quarterbacks in the last couple of weeks. So we weren't fully feeling it. It wasn't mm. a, a general like, let's get into all the NFL stuff. So what's something that's going to help treat us up? We basically had our Christmas tree on for two full days following the Ohio State-Michigan game, hoping that would cheer us up. It helped a little bit, but we decided that we tried to make it all the way to December. We made it pretty far without diving right into the Christmas movies, and hopefully we can get the 25 Christmas movies in 25 days done. But we started with a really good one. Classic, some would say. I think it can definitely be in that realm now because it is 20 years old this year, which this is crazy to me. I was talking about this on Three Things today on Bishop and Friends, that it... These are the kind of things that that make you feel old. Not the actual age, but like sitting there and being like, I remember distinctly when this movie was new and how excited I was and how much I liked it. And I got it on DVD and I watched it a million times in a row. I watched it all December long the next year that I got it. I remember coming home from fourth or fifth grade and I was playing my, my little Game Boy Micro. I was playing Wario Land 4. While watching Elf. And then I would just run it back. I would just let it play again. <laughs> and that stuff was... That was technically like 19 years ago. Um, but I did see the movie in theaters. So this movie is 20 years old. And here I am still around. Still enjoying it a lot as well. Yeah, I like Elf. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I think one of the best things about Elf is even 20 years later, every time you watch it... There's a new detail or a new joke that you didn't notice before, or at least you didn't remember. And you had one of those experiences. I did. Yesterday. I did. Um, when they're, it's in the very beginning when they're um, in the Santa sled workshop. And what does he say? He goes, He goes, Well, there's not that much Christmas spirit. Just look at the clausometer. And it's like around like 20 out of 100. And then Buddy the Elf goes, That's shocking. <laughs> And it's little, but it's really funny. I just hadn't noticed that part and laughed at it before. Yeah, because they, they they frame him really nicely, and then it's just him, and he makes this. He's like so all excited serious. to learn about yeah. it, and then yeah, then he's like, "Oh, that's that's shocking." shocking. One of the ones that uh, I noticed years later that I think is really funny. Maybe it was like the advent of HD TVs, and they're bigger, and you can see things more clearly. But when he goes on the date, he dresses himself, but he tries to dress like a businessman. So the outfit's a little ridiculous. At first glance, it looks fine, like a businessman outfit. But his obviously his hat is that like weird like Russian hat, but he's got yeah. the ear things pulled up. He's got like cuffs on his collar. Like his collar has like a white finish, but then it's also a dark collar from a shirt. But the thing I noticed one year was his tie is not tied in any sort of conventional knot. And if you look at it closely, it's just straight down. And then the bigger part is just wrapped as many times as he could around <laughs> it until it was like situated. And that's what he's wearing. And then of course he's wearing that when I'm in love, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. And yeah. then he comes in and he calls Peter Dinklage, a South pole elf and that angry elf. Yeah. Right. And another thing like that is 
when they are Walter and the wife are walking like through the house or whatever and it's all you know decorated because Buddy you know then makes it like winter like Santa's workshop in there and in the kitchen there are just like piles and piles of like fresh baked goods and cookies as you look through all the things he makes I love that he they have spaghetti that first night and obviously there's the whole joke where he puts syrup on it and then he thinks that's the only thing they eat but he obviously doesn't make it right he makes it so it's sweet or that it's you know it's just plain noodles for everything on but he makes her breakfast it's just the noodles with the syrup on it and then he goes and lunch and it's just a ziploc bag of more noodles <laughs> and then under this impression that the only thing they eat is spaghetti and then at the very very end she gives him like the biggest bottle of maple syrup you've ever seen yeah when they're all celebrating christmas the next day uh I, also with the food when he's writing the etch-a-sketch letter when he's about to run away and i'm sorry i shoved 11 cookies into the, the VCR, vcr which old school alert there on a vcr uh check on that that i know you wouldn't really have to worry if somebody shoved 11 cookies into a vcr i wouldn't really care nowadays i don't remember the last time i turned on a vcr we obviously don't have one that yeah. works we do have a Dawn of the Dead machine. We do have a Dawn of the Dead machine, which is a Blu-ray player that we only use to watch Dawn of the Dead because we don't really watch any of our other no. physical media right now, which I think is a lot of people are pushing for it. And I think we'll have a comeback eventually here that people are going to, to jump back on to wanting to own more physical media. But in right which now, case, not a very in thing. Yeah, we will be at the forefront of that. I guarantee it. Um, I will say... Things that work for me to this day and why I think it's such a like authentically great classic. Um, both Buddy's brother and Walter, Buddy's father, are miserable human beings. And they're Jets fans. That tracks. There you go. Yeah, Michael's got a lot of Jet stuff going on. Oh, yeah. It. That was big at our house. But Very he eventually... excited that the Jets were in. He eventually wins him over. And so I looked this up because I was interested. So they go and get the tree. And the whole time, James Kahn, Walter Hobbs, he's complaining about like, oh, I thought it was a felony. They're just having fun. Well, I thought a felony was a felony. And I was like, well, okay. Obviously, you're not supposed to go and cut down trees in Central Park. I get that. But what is the actual punishment for it? So I looked it up on NewYorkCityGovParks.org. Oh, yeah. According to Title 18, Chapter 1, Section 18.129 of the New York City Administrative Code, it is illegal and punishable by law for citizens to remove, kill, or damage a street or park tree, whether intentionally or accidentally. Most violations are misdemeanors punishable by a fine of up to $1,000 and or imprisonment up to 90 days. Removing a tree without a permit and damaging trees are very serious offenses punishable by a fine up to $15,000 and or imprisonment for up to one year. Anyone caught removing or otherwise harming a tree should be reported immediately. So, so looks like Buddy would be on the hook for what could be $15,000 or a year in prison. Buddy the Elf, Jets fan, wanted felon, possibly on the naughty list for that. I, I mean, I feel like that's... That's naughtiness material. Is it naughty to not know the rule and break it? Generally, you're still now, on the hook, like in real court of law. You know, ignorance a, of a rule doesn't matter. But Buddy is a pretty special situation. How does Santa take that into account? Mm -hmm. Like maybe sometimes people like he's a perfect example of somebody who culturally 
this doesn't seem wrong to him at all. And so when he goes from his North Pole elf culture into New York City, should he be held accountable by Santa for the naughty or nice look? It's a crime. No matter what, they're going to try him in New York City. But would Santa hold it against Buddy? I think that's more of a moral question. You know, we're getting real deep into philosophical morals. Elf is pretty philosophical overall. You know, even down to the the three commandments of Christmas or whatever. Uh, treat every day like Christmas. There's room for everybody on the nice list. And the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Phil- philosophies you can live your life by. I don't know. I'm not a big fan, though, of treat every day like Christmas. Because no. Christmas has to be special. Yeah, if everyone has superpowers, is in, does anyone have superpowers? Right syndrome. Yeah. Good pull there for you. I think another thing that like still works though, as we're you know just breaking down this film from a, a higher view, everything in Gimbals is still great. Yes. The manager, the Santa. I know him when he freaks out that Santa's coming. When Santa does come and he he gets to confront Santa, the lingerie that says for a special someone. So then he buys it for his dad because he obviously doesn't have any idea what lingerie is. He runs into the lockers when Zoe Deschanel's character discovers him while she's in the shower and he closes his eyes, runs into the lockers. Uh, And then your probably favorite part, maybe of the whole movie, is when he wakes up in the store window. And Walter walks by. I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, just to piggyback off of that, everything in Gimbals is so funny because those are like a lot of the jokes for the adults still land really well, even when um, it's the next day and... You know, everyone's like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. And she's like, they're kind of pissed about this. And then the guy comes up and he's like, corporate is out for my job. So we're going to stick together like that. That lands with the adults still. And that's something that you don't appreciate until you're a little bit older anyway. So the movie ages with its audience, too. Call me on Channel 6. Code word is Santa's got a brand new bag. Santa's got a brand new bag. Six inches. Yeah, so I still love Elf. One thing that stood out to me is all the uh, the like corporate scenes in this one. And honestly, Mr. Greenway, you can settle down. It's Christmas Eve and you make children's books. Oh, dog eat dog world of uh, children's books. Apparently, we're going to post a minus eight for this quarter. That does not happen. Minus eight percent, I guess. I don't know. Is it just made up business jargon for the movie? Also, Miles Finch is going to sue them if they publish the peach on the farm story that's well, his intellectual property did they buy the i've always wondered that like by the fact that they paid him they for a meeting him. and he left the book does that constitute buying the idea mm. off of him miles finch on the naughty list definitely on the yeah. naughty list oh yeah i want to know some more miles finch books as well what other books did he write i think it's time for us to really expand the universe of elf do we need an elf too? Is that what you're trying to say to me? I didn't say that. Bob Newhart's still alive. Unfortunately, Ed Asner no longer with us. He played Santa and uh, James Caan died a couple of years ago. Maybe that was just last year. We it was definitely, somewhat recently. Yeah, we definitely don't need an elf too. Elf is so good on its own and it hasn't been marred by the cynicism of corporate greed. I want to know more about the world of Elf, but it's sort of magical in that way that there's a beginning and an end and nothing else. Yeah, and the last thing for me that like I'm not sure if they would be able to recapture this magic. I think the North Pole set is awesome. How it like looks like a cartoon, but it's real. And then obviously there are the cartoons. Not now, Arctic Puffin. And you know they're doing all the the claymation from like the Rankin Bass 
movies from you know when geez when my parents were kids those aren't even really from when i was a kid and that kind of stuff it just looks really good um the fact that he does actually leave the north pole which is magical he leaves on that ice and the ice all melts and he steps off into the candy cane forest which is real then all of a sudden he just is in the real world so where is that switch then i walked through the lincoln tunnel where does it switch from the magical north pole world of swirly twirly gumdrops in the candy cane forest into he's just in the Lincoln Tunnel all of a sudden. I also think that they do a lot of really interesting stuff with aspect ratio and in now in movies I think that would just be CGI whereas you had to be a little bit more creative with how you present how he's so much larger than everything else in the North Pole. Yeah it's cool seeing like behind the scenes stuff of all the force perspective they did yes, so he yeah, would have a desk that was that was higher up one of the the one where he's a like a yeah like a 10 year old or something he's like riding that tricycle with Pop Elf on him in the back in real life. Bob Newhart was actually like five feet away from that kid. And that's how they do the force perspective. There's a really good uh, movie documentary. kind. You know, it's just like, uh, hey, remember these movies? And they talk to people who were involved in the production and everything that went down. It's called Movies That Made Us. It's on Netflix. And they have one on Elf uh, that's really interesting and really cool. And it was old school came out first. But they had already like produced this movie or were already in a very large process of producing it. And so that made Will Ferrell a huge star, which is helpful. But obviously, old school is a very different tone than Elf. And that was one thing they were really worried about. That like everybody just, they knew him from Saturday Night Live and everything. But now he's this big movie star and he was in this really popular, raunchy movie. And now you're trying to sell this family friendly uh, Halloween or uh, holiday Christmas movie to people. It worked, though. You know, it's interesting, too. Yesterday, I said, while we were watching the movie, I said, isn't it funny? Well, not isn't it funny, but in my opinion, it's funny that it's Elf and Old School that are like, either of those could be Will Ferrell's magnum opus. And they came out right around the same time. And they are so tonally different from each other. One is like such a like a hard raunchy adult comedy and then the other one's like this family friendly Christmas classic almost immediately after it came out. Old school also is like an ensemble comedy cast where yeah. it's like really all the jokes are basically for Buddy mm-hmm. in, in this movie including getting hit by multiple. Well, no, he doesn't get hit by the second. He just almost <laughs> gets hit a few other times after getting <laughs> get hit. hit. Yellow ones don't stop. <laughs> the yellow ones don't stop. It's every scene has a laugh in it, like a genuine laugh. Yeah, and there, there's a mix. It's a, it's a mix of his fish out of water stuff, just the way he talks, the all the Christmas theme stuff that he does, or the physical comedy of getting hit by a car. They really offer you everything. And despite it being PG, you don't feel like you're watching a kids movie when you're watching it. Like you said, we're all like the adult humor really works and really lands as well. It does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love Elf. Happy 20-year anniversary to Elf. I would suggest everybody go and watch it this year to celebrate that 20 years. It's currently on Max. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, was a, I was a human raised by humans. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> when he's eating. Okay. We don't need to just sit here and talk about all the funny things Buddy the Elf does. You but probably know a lot of them. Real quick, because we didn't get to talk about it last week because we were <coughs> sick. <laughs> I'm sick. 
We saw Thanksgiving in theaters, the new Eli Roth movie, and uh, you can see my uh, Chops movie review. It would be on our TikTok or on my Twitter, Chops971, or TikTok, at underscore Chops TV. But overall, I I like the idea that they, they left it open-ended at the end. I don't think that was crazy to jump on that because obviously we've seen tons of slasher franchises and I feel like it's not as good as Scream but in a way it can kind of maybe revitalize the slasher genre and they seem to have a lot of fun with what are different ways that we can kill on Thanksgiving and so I'd be interested and I think it would be smarter to go into other holidays with it that like it doesn't always have to be Thanksgiving that you could go that he starts to stalk people or whoever it is if it's a copycat killer or whatever doesn't always have to be Thanksgiving because you're going to get diminishing returns Mm -hmm. on creative kills that you can come up with for Thanksgiving that I don't think are I don't think are as hamstrung in something like Friday the 13th where you have all the things that are involved in a summer camp at a lake or in Halloween, obviously the scary stuff writes itself to naturally be there on Halloween. I I feel like you'd lose out on that with Thanksgiving. So what other holidays could they attack? It's not the first time a holiday has been used for a slasher film. There's like my bloody Valentine from back in the day. Of course, Halloween, there's the leprechaun series, lots of stuff. Two things. One spoiler, not, not uh, family friendly. Oh, definitely not. Don't bring... I know it's in the family-friendly podcast episode that I did a really good job on. Not family-friendly. Two, back, you know, about the other holidays, Arbor Day, deforestation, the trees are sentient. Oh, so the trees come and kill the people. A la Lord of the Rings too. Or The Happening. Sure. Remember The Happening, the M. Night Shyamalan movie where the, the, the plants would talk to people and tell them to kill themselves? Yeah. It's not a very good movie, so maybe not the best. <laughs> okay, example. no, but I'm definitely more like Lord of the Rings, where they're they're like walking out of the ground and killing orcs. But the orcs are people in New York City who are getting fined for cutting down trees. Not that it's the most important thing in this movie, but there is a bit of a mystery, so I don't want to give away who the the killer ends up being or why they end up being the killer. But I would say that if you like slasher films and you like them, especially like bloody and and guts and gore and stuff, then you would like this one. It's not like overly realistic with all of it, but there are like guts hanging out of people. My favorite kill included the bow of a ship going through somebody's face. Pretty cool stuff. That's a little bit of a spoiler for kills. And that's like part of the fun is watching the movie for the kills. I will say also, um, Ooh, what was I going to say also? Hmm. Meh. Oh, yes. If you remember what Black Friday used to be like, really do or die, look out for yourself. It's a massacre out there. You'll enjoy the first 15 minutes of this film. Yeah, they go for a scene like that in it. Uh, one last thing I would say about it is there are too many red herrings. We're, you know, I was saying that how it's a mystery who the killer is. There's too many people, and then all those characters don't really get served in any yeah, way. It, the problem is it makes too much sense for that many people to be the killer. Yeah, you know and it I mean? needs to be brought back just a little bit. Obviously, you need some people who you're suspicious of, but there were points where I thought I was like, well, I guess it could be that character for like probably 10 characters throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. Last one real quick. We finished this. I, I'm i going to bet right now that you are not going to watch Upload Season 4. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good bet. 
Well, the, I think the biggest heart of it, the the hardest part of it, is that it's a hard thing to keep straight because it's a comedy. It's made by Greg Daniels, who was the person who came over and brought The Office to America, and so he's obviously pretty well respected in the comedy world. But he's a, he's a smart guy too, and it's I'm not saying it's like an overly smart show, but it's very plot heavy for what is essentially a sitcom. Based on, for those of you that don't know, Upload Season 3 just came out. It's on Amazon Prime. But people can, once they die or right around when they're dying, they can upload their consciousness into a virtual world and live on. Kind of like a retirement home for your virtual stuff. There's some sketchy stuff going on, all this stuff. Again, hard for me to keep track of it. Did you know the first season came out in May of 2020? The second season came out in March of 2022. And then this third one came out in October of 2023 so we're talking almost two years in between the first two seasons and a year and a half between two and three they're saying that they're expecting season four in 2024 but i think that's the biggest problem with this is it's like eight episodes and then it goes away for 18 months yeah no i would agree with that and that's a lot of that's a big problem with a lot of the streaming shows and we'll see that again because of the rider strike um we'll feel the effects of that delayed delayed production um there has got to be some someone's got to study this like some psychological thing about like season three slumps or like there's got to be something in media like a term for this where like if you can get over the hump of season three being really like either really good or really bad you can have a six season long very successful show six or seven seasons but it's that third season for me especially that it if if you lose me in the third season, I will not tune in for season four. And I don't know what that is about. Yeah, and I wonder how those ones, like ones that lose you in season three, how they would hold up in more of a binge watch scenario rather than waiting for it actually live. Because in season one, when a show is new, you know everything. It, you just watched the eight episodes in the last week or something. So you know everything about the show and you feel like you are totally locked in. Then it goes away for a year plus and it comes back. You remember liking it a lot and you're pretty excited. And I think the recap does a better job of getting you ready and you watch season two, but maybe it wasn't quite as good. Then you have another break and you come back with season three. At this point, I don't remember what happened and there in has season to, one. There has to be something to it because it just happens too frequently for me that it's just a me thing. And because it's like they they sort of tried to correct it with the length of each season, right? So instead of having 22 seasons, you, you now shorten the seasons. But with those 22 episodes, those 22 to 23 episode long TV shows, that first season, you have a ton of time to find your footing. Mm -hmm. Then that second season, you can really hit your stride and have a really great season plot wise. And then that third season, at some point, either you're trying to like recapture the magic or the kids or teenagers are aging out of high school and getting into college or something like that, where it's that then that transition period, it loses some of what hooked you in the first place. Yeah. And then I think it loses me a little bit. It's only off air for like four months too, and, like and May yeah. to September. Yeah. Which, yeah. I think that's. One of the biggest factors. But I'm still into it. I will watch Upload Season 4. I was kind of, but I was kind of hoping that Season 3 was going to be the end of it as well. And then as we were about halfway through the last episode of the season and we were both like, I don't think this is going to be a series finale. No, but it felt like it. It almost felt like they were hedging their bets too while you're watching it. So, I don't know. Um, if you, 
if you like strap me down to the couch and like tape my eyes like open like clockwork orange we're gonna do that again okay not again but (laughs) you've brought it up before (laughs) yeah i'll probably watch it I really like Clockwork Orange. We should probably talk about it on the podcast sometime. Yeah, that'll be a family-friendly episode. Another well. family-friendly hitter. Last thing, would you live in Lakeview? Would you upload yourself and live on? No. When I die, just throw me in the trash. No. Me living forever, either virtually or physically, is a plague on this earth, I feel. Kind of sounds boring, too. That I mean... Well, that's the whole thing with, like, the gods. Every time they show the gods and the humans are like, well, you get to live forever. And they're like, living forever sucks. Everyone who's ever lived forever is miserable. Except for Dorian Gray. But he's, like, hot. And the biggest reason why he's upset that he lives forever is because he doesn't get to look at himself because he's hot. So, yeah. Jen and I both out on Lakeview. We're not uploading ourselves. Dorian Gray's got to be deeper than that, but I'm not sure. I know that it's some sort of literary reference, but Dorian Gray always escapes me. So, so he's hot and he can't see himself. He can only like look at a painting of himself or something. <laughs> like his hotness is captured, or his like his his aging is captured in the painting. So like the painting ages, but he stays young. But he can't look at himself. But he's like crazy hot, and he just like wants to like look at himself. All right. Well, there you have it. Something like that. Someone tell me. What we just want to look at is basically Christmas movies from here on out. Christmas. And we're going to have little breakdowns of tons of little random Hallmark level. But once everybody learned that people liked Hallmark, all of the companies started making them. They are so many this year. Oh, yeah. The guy from Upload is in one. Mm -hmm. And there are ones from last year that we didn't even see, too. So if anyone has specific recommendations because there's just too much content now the market is flooded with really bad hallmark movies that i want to watch every single one so we can't do that but we will have to set up like a calendar or something yeah and just like have a schedule yeah and do our 25 days of christmas plus still fitting in some of the classics yeah. like we did with elf of course we got to watch yeah. home alone all and, that kind and of you stuff. did 30 days of halloween like you did it oh <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was very hard. I, I tried very hard. Honestly, like, it is hard a little bit. It's easier now because the sun goes down early and when it's cold out. the sun goes down on my side of town. And the sun's going down on Chops TV. Just for now. Don't let the sun go down on me. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. made possible by people who subscribe to podcasts and viewers like you.